Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Okay, this is it. This is this was the first time I slept in my bed, my new bed, and it feels so nice. Yeah. Honestly, she, it hurt my back a little bit because Peyton woke up in the middle of the night. She has a stuffy nose, so she couldn't fall back asleep. So I just kind of laid down with her for a minute, and then a minute turned into the rest of the night. Yeah. So my back hurts a little bit because the mattress is just a little too soft, but I think I would get used to it. And... um. And I think that is really comfortable. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. Okay, it's guys. It's so comfortable for you that it hurts. Th- this is the last chapter. Of, you have to stop this. Of, But it's the last chapter of the Secret Series. There is a yeah. prologue after this. A prologue just as like a note from the author. So we have the last chapter and then a farewell note. I'm kind of like sad. Mm-hmm. You yeah. have to stop this Secret Series by? Pseudonymous Bosch. Number of book? Fifth and final. Chapter 36. On the road. Wait, I'll see everybody. Okay, she's looking. Yep. Oh, Yo, Yoji, Cass, Max. Oh, that's what they look like? Mm-hmm. Wait, how do you know? It's not her pointy ears. Well, because they're at the end of the line. Then That's usually if the main characters are in, if they're in focus. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Page 334. One month. Oh, one month later. What's that from? Oh, 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 that's from Spongebob. Spongebob. One month later. <laughs> okay, Grandpa Larry, Grandpa Wayne. Cass ran to her grandfather's. Cass ran into her grandfather's arms, her graduation cap falling off of her head. I didn't know you were back. Surprise, Grandpa Larry grinned. We, didn't, we wouldn't miss this for the world. We got in this morning, said Grandpa Wayne. We didn't even have time to shower. Cass wrinkled her nose. Oh, that's funny. I can tell. They all laughed. Actually, we didn't we didn't get very far. Our money ran out, admitted Grandpa Larry cheerfully. Really? After everything that you sold at the garage sale? asked Cass, incredulous. Turns out we're not very good businessmen. Well, I could have told you that, said Cass, who was wondering how many gold coins it would take to buy them a lifetime supply of cruise tickets. Because remember, she has all the gold. Grandpa Wayne looked at Cass. What's different about you? You look taller, more free. Grandpa Larry snapped his fingers. She's not wearing a backpack. Cass shrugged sheepishly. Well, I figured graduation was bound to be such a total disaster that nothing in my backpack would help. As Larry and Wayne... Don't make noise. Please put that down. As Larry and Wayne regaled their with, her, with stories, no doubt much exaggerated about their adventures at sea... Cass's eye wandered around the soccer field where the rest of her classmates were greeting their friends and relatives. Everybody was dressed up as if it weren't enough to graduate from middle school. They had to skip all the way to adulthood. Cass gave a funny feel, got a, gave, it gave Cass a funny feeling like she was looking off a precipice. Yoyoji, who was sparing, sparring with his little brother, talking to his parents and sisters, he was wearing a dark, skinny suit that made him look like a modish, a mod British rocker from another era. Max Ernest, who was looking back and forth 
between his parents like a, a referee at a tennis match had tried to smooth his spiky hair with some kind of gel, but it kept popping up, and he kept patting it down. As for Cass, she wasn't in a dress, much to, much to her mother's chag- chagrin. <laughs> Where? Chagrin. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Ch- it's chagrin. chagrin. Yeah. Chagrin. She had consented to a skirt, however. She had gotten a second manicure, this time a deep green, a statement. As a statement, she said. But privately, she admitted to herself that she rather liked the way it looked. Amber, of course, looked the most polished for her dressing up. For her, dressing up was effortless. She, but she seemed oddly quiet. Rather than chatting and gossiping with Naomi and Veronica, she, as she normally would, she was standing by her parents' side, her mind evidently elsewhere. Cass was considering Amber's unusual behavior when she finally saw the person she was seeking. Excuse me, she said to her grandfathers, there's somebody I have to talk to. Promising to spend more time with them after the ceremony, Cass ran across the field where she had refused her, she'd glad she'd refused her mother's suggestion of high heels. She found her mother standing under the Mummy Returns banner, now a bit tattered with Albert and Daniel Not-So-Daniel. Daniel Not-So-Daniel's dreads were tied back, exposing the whole, the whole of his face for the first time. For a second, Cass couldn't tell him apart from his father. Hey, Albert. I mean, Albert 3D. I mean, Albert. I mean, Professor, said Cass, breathless. Professor laughed. Albert 3D is fine. I can't seem to shake it. Even I call him, even I call him that sometimes, Daniel, not Daniel said. Well, anyways, I just wanted to say, well, I never said that I was sorry. I know I caused you a lot of trouble. I should have never touched the mummy. And then Albert 3D stopped her. It's okay, Cass. I know you're sorry. And I'm grateful for you finding the mummy. And for, well, a lot of things, he smiled. He smiled at Cass's mom. Albert's a forgiving man, a very nice quality Cass's mother said, smiling. I'll bet sometimes you wish your mother's your mother was more like that too, don't you, sweetie? As her mother spoke, Cass noticed that her mother's hand was grazing Albert 3D's for too long. Oh gosh, they're dating. For much longer than it would normally to normally touch a fellow parent at school. In fact, if Cass didn't know better, she might have almost thought she was touching it in him intentionally. Yep, it must be. The pinkies were interlocked. For a second, Cass locked eyes with the equally alarmed Daniel, not Danielle. Was it possible that their parents were having a romance? The idea was too icky to contemplate. Uh, bye, Cass said hurriedly. It's almost time. We've we got to get our seats. On the other hand, she thought, as she and Daniel, not, so da- not Danielle, scurried away, if her mother had been involved with someone, there were worse choices than a Ni- Ni- Nigerian archaeologist. At least with him around, their chances... There was a chance to travel. And now I'm proud to present the winner of this yearbook, year of book reading day challenge to our very own bookworm, Miss Johnson, uh, resplendent in a green apple hat and pantsuit, gestured to the still short but growing boy sitting in front of Cass and Yoyoji, Max Ernest. Grinning from ear to ear, Max stepped up to the podium and shook Miss Johnson's hand. Then he laid his speech down. It looked and looked at the microphone and took a breath. Thank you, Principal Johnson, he began formally. Greetings, parents, teachers, fellow classmates. He had greased his hair back again, but it, it's 
As he spoke, it sprang back up to its usual spiky state with the most, with an almost audible boing. He patted it down. For the last few months, his hair sprang up again. There were a few giggles. He coughed. This was not an auspicious beginning. After the after his stint on the stage of the big Las Vegas in in Las Vegas, Max Ernest had expected a mere middle school graduation, or as he thought of it now, a gig to be no big deal. But looking at all those people who had been characters in the story of his life for the last eight odd years, he found himself unaccountably nervous. For the fast for the last few months, he began reading again. I've been racking my brain trying to find the perfect joke to open up this speech. Well, I think I came up with something that's going to be that's going to really, really shock you. The audience teetered nervously. A few teachers gave him warning looks. This was not the not the occasion for an off-color joke. I'm not going to open with a joke at all. Everybody laughed with relief. See, I told you that'd be shocking. Max Ernest looked up at the audience with a smile with a and smiled mischievously. Well, now that I've opened without a joke, I'm going to tell a joke anyways. But I bet you didn't see that coming. No, dude, don't do it. Stop. Just say no, his friends shouted good-naturedly. Kidding. I'm only, I'm actually going to skip, skip right to the serious part. He looked down at his speech. When I was younger, I had a, a lot of trouble relating to other kids. People who knew me, uh, people who knew me knew, wait, hold on. I turned the page and I think I may have missed a, a word. Okay. People who knew me know that I didn't always understand my peers and that they didn't understand me. That's a polite way of saying they thought it was really annoying. We still do, yelled Glob. See? That's when and that's one of my best friends. Sometimes I thought every sometimes I thought everybody else had a secret sense that I didn't have. Sometimes besides the usual sense, smelling, hearing, taste, sight, and touch. A sixth sense, in other words, but what was the secret sense? I used to wonder, telepathy, seeing dead people, what was really happening to the school in the schoolyard all the time so I didn't know what other kids were talking about. Were they all seeing ghosts? The audience laughed. Cassio Yoji exchanged looks. The speech was getting a little too close to home. As most of you know, I like to tell jokes and riddles a lot. A lot. I've always been interested in jokes, but I'm not sure I ever understood why. As I think about it now, though, I think jokes were my way of trying to learn or acquire the secret sense that other kids have. To me, the sixth sense is not something especially supernatural. It's something that binds us together as people and makes us human. It's a sense of humor. He paused to make sure that he still had everybody's attention. He did. Friends don't have to have a lot of things in common. One of them might like, oh, solar flashlights. Another might like day glow sneakers. He smiled at Cass and Yo-Yoji. Cute. Yo-Yoji gave him a thumbs up. Another might like chocolate. Lots of chocolate. I'm not naming names. Cass, casually, he pulled out a bar of chocolate out of his coat pocket, unwrapped it, and took a big bite. There were more laughs. His biggest yet. But one of the things, but one, but there's one thing that my friends usually do have in common. It's a sense of humor. That doesn't mean that they have to find all the same things funny. Sometimes they might even laugh at each other, but at the end of the day, friends can always laugh with each other. Cass and Yo-Yoji turned to each other and smiled. Their friend was doing great. As they turned back, their hands accidentally brushed. Cass was shocked to find their pinkies interlocking just the way her mother's and Albert 3D's hand. She froze, the blood rushing to her ears. Max Ernest might have been speechifying about the sense of humor, but it was this, 
but it was the sense of touch that now occupied Cass's attention. After an agonizing moment, she and Yoyoji pulled away from each other. Oh my gosh, they have a crush on each other. Are you still wearing that ring? Yoyoji whispered to her, not looking away. No, why? She whispered back, not just not just her ears, but her whole face turned bright wet with embarrassment. I just thought I felt it. Oh, like a jolt or something. Never mind, said Yoyoji quickly. Quiet, lovebirds, your friends are talking, said Glob from the row behind them. Daniel, not Danielle, giggled. Yeah, show some respect. Mortified, Cass and Yoyoji sat stiffly in their chairs, neither able to muster the slightest comeback. Max Ernest, meanwhile, had reached full stride. The official theme of this speech is supposed to be the secret of success, he said, with a nod towards Miss Johnson. Well, I don't know if a sense of humor is the secret. So far, I haven't made a lot of money as a comedian. In fact, I've been booed off a stage. Life, But life is full of booze, not just for comedian, and it's a sense of humor that gets you through the booze. And the blues, too. The audience groaned in pun. Sorry, I couldn't resist. If you can't see the ridiculous side of things, it's awfully hard to deal with the serious side. A sense of humor may not be the secret to success, in other words, but I'm pretty sure it's the secret of life. Max Ernest Glastic glanced at Cass. She took her head slight she shook her head slightly as if to say, You're skating on thin ice with this secret stuff, buddy, but he could see that she was smiling. So here we are, about to graduate from middle school, he continued. We've crossed the bridge and we're about to cross one another. Speaking of which, that reminds me of a joke. There were more groans. No, don't do it. Spare us. Max Ernest laughed. You don't really think I would tell one, did you? Actually, the joke I'm thinking of is the oldest joke in the in the book. Why did the chicken cross the road? You all know the answer. To get to the other side. But think about it. That that isn't really the answer. It's a statement of the obvious, and in a sense, a res, uh, it's a restatement of the question. That's why it's funny, but it's always also why it's mysterious. He paused, slowing himself down. One piece of advice Miss Johnson had give, given him was not to read too quickly. On some level, we don't really know why we do anything even less do we know where we're going what lies on the other side of the road we don't know until we get there as the saying goes it's not the destination it's the journey whatever lies on the other side of the road even if there's nothing there at all i've learned a lot i've learned a lot along the way from all of you and now like the rest of you i'm getting out of here and i'm t- going to take action on the ro- as he sp- pronounced the last word his voice cracked not so much from emotion i'm afraid but in the way your voice that the voices of boys max Ernest's age often do max Ernest's voice was changing that very moment he was finding it road he squeaked out nobody laughed this time not so much because they were being nice but because they had their eye their they had tears in their eyes and so did he i'll miss you all said max Ernest, and he walked off of the stage to the stadium of to a stadium ovation. What's wrong with that? He's sad. He's like, it's the end. He's not going to see a lot of his friends anymore because maybe they'll go to go to different schools. Yeah. Like when you graduate, it's kind of like you're saying goodbye and it's kind of like sad. Yeah. Amid the tears and applause, nobody, you know how like when we read the giving tree and it makes us cry? Kind of like that. It's just like emotional. Yeah. Amid the tears and applause, nobody noticed Amber slipped away from her seat to the edge of the bleachers, at least of her pa- of least 
of all her parents, nor did they see her climbing into the limousine that waited just outside the school gates. Miss Mavius welcomed her, barely with a nod, then waved to the driver with gloved hands. In silence, they drove off in search of a never-setting sun. Interesting. Well, Amber does care a lot about her looks. Epilogue. Oh my gosh. Okay, guys. Next is the epilogue. And that's it. It's done. Well, she was the second nicest girl. Or the first nicest and the third prettiest. (laughs) All right. Let's get to the last chapter.